When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Thursday, May 11th. This is episode number 197. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how are things going? Hey, Rod, going good. I've got my DVR recording that uh, epic three-hour primetime special uh, NFL schedule release show, so uh, I shouldn't have any trouble falling asleep the next few nights. I was going to say, I hope you're not going to stay up tonight and watch this. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, man. Only the NFL can drag it out that long. Wow. Um, yeah, I I will not be watching that. I'll just put that right out there right now. I will not be watching it. So, um, so yeah, I'll, I'll uh, talk to you about the highlights, definitely. Right. And we'll, we'll talk about it tonight. So, um, here... Here to uh, to talk some Browns, some schedule, and and uh, a little bit of uh, some parallels with the New York Jets is our guest Alex Cuesta. Alex, how are you tonight? How's it going, Rod? Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely, I'm glad glad to glad to finally make this happen. Yeah, um, I, I was on your show quite a while ago, and um, glad to glad to return the favor. So um, everybody can uh, can find your show the uh the twitter account for your show is at alex uh cuesta c-u-e-s-t-a-s-h-o-w so yep. um follow you on twitter there um for jets fans and um you do more than just talk jets though don't you certainly yeah we uh you know originally you were on my first show which was the sports opinions podcast and that was strictly sports and then i got a little tired of doing that so we kind of cover whatever i want and we have guests from politics, pop culture, all different types of sports, basketball, football. Uh, it doesn't matter uh, if I, you know, if you're semi-interesting, I want to talk to you and I want to have a good time. So yeah, go find us. Um, just go search the Alex Cuesta show. You'll find it anywhere. And if I have a real quick chance, I have a second podcast. If anyone's interested in track and field called Talking in Ovals, where we interview um, former uh, runners. Um, we've talked to Olympians. We talked to American record holders already. And um, just talk to them about their story. We're not going to bore you with the X's and O's of track, but talk to you about their story and how they kind of got started. So go search uh, the Alex Quest, the show talking novels. Yeah. Thanks, Rob, for that chance. Absolutely. So uh, before we dive into some football, let's let's uh, discuss our blitz beverages. That would be what we're drinking tonight. Uh, Alex, you're the guest. You get to go first. So why don't you tell everybody what you have in front of you there? So I have one. It might be a little rare because it's going to be up in my area over here in the Hudson Valley, New York. Uh, it's a local brewery, uh, Vonsberg Brewing, but he's in the city as well. It's a, you know, um, my day job. I teach people how to drive and I had a student and her her, um, her husband did brewing and they're in the city as well. And I'm drinking his Vonsberg Brewing and it's a trail marker session IPA. Um, it's not really hoppy, which is makes it delicious. It goes down real easy. And um, yeah, it's a tasty IPA. So if you like those, go for it. And even if you don't like IPAs, give it a shot because it's not super hard. Excellent. Guys, I'm drinking something a little different tonight. Um, I kind of have to give a little explanation here. In my in my beer fridge, I have various categories lined up. And I had one category off to the far right, which is just to the right of the leftover Christmas beers which is kind of uh, a few seltzers and things like that that I have in there for my daughter when she comes over. And for whatever reason, she hasn't been getting her drinks out of that fridge. She's been getting her drinks out of the the refrigerator that my wife has inside that has some of her drinks in it. So I don't know how long this has been in there, but um, this got into her, her uh, stack somehow. I must have thought it looked good for her. But it is a Coney Island Brewing Company hard lemon lime twist citrus ale. So I think I thought it was like a uh, 
you know, one of the, um, like, what do they call those, uh, hard seltzer or something? Like the Mike's Hard Lemonade type of thing? Yeah, so I, I think, yeah, I think that's what I thought it was, but it's actually, actually a citrus ale. Um, it's got a, a really good lemon-lime taste to it, but I kind of feel like I'm drinking pop <laughs> or soda, depending on where you're from and where you're listening in the country. Um, but it's it's 5.4% alcohol. Um, it doesn't taste a lot like a beer, but it's pretty good. It doesn't taste like a seltzer either. So, um, And, and uh, they're, they're probably not brewing it anymore because it's probably been in my refrigerator for two or three years. So, But it tastes good. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. yeah gl- gl- it's always good to dig to the back and find something I forgot about. Cool. <laughs> hey, Rod, uh, I just I want to interject. Um, you know, our regular listeners know that I really don't drink anymore. Um, but yeah. if I rode around with student drivers all day, every day, I would be really tempted to start again. <laughs> it's hard. You're it's, right. Sometimes it is hard. I, I have my lunchbox in there and I'm very tempted to put a few beers in there. Not <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, um, Jeff, I don't know how many, how many kids you've, you've taught and, and when, when I say taught, it's, you know, as a parent, you're the one who generally takes the kid out for their first few lessons before they go to, to see somebody like Alex. So, yeah. you know, I've, you know, I've done that with four kids and yeah. I, I'm retired. Um, right. I, I won't do it anymore. You know, I'm passing <laughs> that on to somebody else. If there's ever a, a grandkid or anybody else needs to learn how to drive, it's that's not going to be me. Send them over to New York. I'll take care of them. Everybody that I've ever taught to drive, Rod, was on a stick shift, including, I think, you. So I've I've had the experience of, of you know, the shuddering clutch every yeah. time I've done it. Yeah. That <laughs> just adds more spice to it. But, um, yeah, I, I, it's been a while. And I don't think I want to do it with my grandkids. Yeah. So, so Alex, I have to ask is, and of course you live in New York, but you've been, you've, you've lived in some other parts of the country too, right? I lived in Jersey. So really just, Jersey, in, so, yeah. Okay. Not a lot. I, I was going to ask if, if teaching people to drive in New York was any different, um, you know, because, uh, Drivers from different areas have different reputations and stuff, and and that I, I've heard that I've heard that the drivers in New Jersey are are just playing crazy, honestly, from people I know that used to be in New Jersey. You're not wrong. Jersey drivers are really good at driving fast, like, and a lot of people like it's the Garden State Parkway. If you're on there and if you think like doing 80, 85 is fast, you're gonna have to get over quickly because Jersey drivers are just pretty insane. Um, honestly, I tell every, all my student drivers that, uh, that are super nervous. Um, everyone is always late in the Northeast. That's just how it is. So that's why everyone drives <laughs> terribly is, uh, you know, right up your ass and just sitting there. They're always late. So you kind of have to ignore them, ignore the beeps and just, you know, do your thing. So I can imagine other parts of the country. If I like went down South, I'd probably be having a conniption cause I'd be like, go faster. You guys are too relaxed. Like, uh, other so. than other than going through Atlanta, you would probably probably be right because Atlanta, <laughs> you could go, you 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 could be doing a hundred and somebody's gonna pass you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think I the last time that. we were over your way, Alex, I noticed that about every other car had a bumper sticker that said "Horn broke, watch for finger." I mean, that's a just. <laughs> I don't even think you need a bumper sticker for that. The horn is like the secondary in that situation there. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, the the guy who's told me about New Jersey, he said something about the way the um, the entrance ramps are to some of the roads is kind of weird, and it's it's like and people people expect you not to slow down or something when you're going, and people right. will honk at you and just well, it's it's counterintuitive to us because pretty much it's it's kind of like some parts of um, Michigan, like in the Detroit area, where you you can't make a left turn, so you have to make like a series of rights or you have to go through what I think in New Jersey, they called it a, a teacup handle, right, Alex? We have, you a, have it's to, a jug handle. We have jug handles. Jug handle. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, we have to go right to go left. That's uh, yeah. Yeah. And so that for us, that's, that's hard to kind of wrap your mind around until you've you know, driven there for a while. 
It's interesting because yeah. New York doesn't have jog handles. It's left turns, and you make U-turns from the left lane, which I guess, like, most mm-hmm. other spots in the country do. And right. the thing I have to say with, like, New York and New Jersey, you have to remember, especially with Jersey, the population density is ridiculous. That, you know, yeah. there is a million people per square mile. So it's kind of like everyone just kind of hates each other because we're all right on top of each other all the time anyway. So we're yeah. just trying to get away from each other as fast as we can. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Well, I definitely respect uh, what you're doing there, Alex. Um, because yeah, yeah, that would that would that would wear me out. I think at this point, because yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think um, and I, you know, all the kids I taught turned out to be pretty pretty good drivers, but they all had their little quirks and all gave me heart attacks at different points in time. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, so so let, let's move on to some football. Um, we're going to talk we're going to talk about schedule, but um, let, let's talk about a couple other things first. And let's go to the to the Elijah Moore trade first of all. So the Browns um, the Browns sent pick number forty two to the Jets, and they got uh, Elijah Moore and pick seventy four uh, from the Jets. So. Let's just, uh, Alex. Let's get your impression on that trade first. What, what did you think of the value in that trade when that trade happened? In terms of value, I thought both sides did pretty good. Getting, you know, getting a second round pick for Elijah Moore. You know, especially at that time, he was disgruntled with the Jets. Um, he was having some issues with the front office and Joe Douglas. I thought that Douglas did a good job in terms of getting that second round pick. And I also thought it benefited the Browns because I truly liked Elijah Moore. I thought he was um, a very talented guy. I feel like his talent was just barely being scratched. Um, I didn't agree with a lot of the um, gadget plays and things that they ran for Braxton Barrios instead of Elijah Moore last season. Mm. So uh, I think that the Browns got a really good weapon. I think the Jets got fair compensation for him. That you know they obviously ended up trading away the forty-two, which ended up being really good. But overall, I thought it was a fair trade. I actually just hated seeing Elijah Moore go because I really like the guy, and I know you guys you're gonna you're gonna enjoy Elijah Moore. He is very passionate about um, the game of football, and I think he joins a pretty good receiving core there as well. Yeah. So so Jeff, let's let's get your thoughts on. The way this ended up working out for the Browns, getting essentially, well, they got Elijah Moore and Cedric Tillman for the forty-second pick. Yeah, how do, you, how do you feel about that? That's that's I think that's pretty good value. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm kind of curious uh, Alex's thoughts on you know how the Browns will will utilize Elijah Moore, um, you know where his where he thinks his strengths are. Um, but um, it seems to me like those are two really complimentary players, you know, that that um, have their own uh, strengths and weaknesses that I think can can complement each other. So for us to really rebuild our our wide receiver room in, in one off season, um, you know, not knowing where uh, Amari Cooper and, and DPJ are going to be in a year or two, um, man, that's that's a big deal to be able to do that one off season. Yeah, so Alex, uh, let let's go back to you to, with Jeff's question about Elijah Moore. Yeah, so I'll kind of give you my little analysis of Elijah from what I've seen from him with the Jets. Um, you get a guy who runs a very mature route tree. He's a good route runner. He does struggle with people on the line putting hands on him. He hasn't been very good with getting off the line. But when he's in space, he's really good in space about running routes, getting himself open. Um, definitely more of a slot guy. He played some flanker for the Jets, and that's where he kind of struggled when he was on the outside of the hash marks. When he's inside the hash marks, he's really good with that, and he's very good on jet sweeps and those type of trick plays. But honestly, um, getting him uh, the ball on short routes in space, he has sure hands. And I think for you guys, um, uh, last year a lot was on Cooper to kind of be the third down guy, and it was – you know, Peoples Jones is a good receiver. Uh, you guys had uh, Djoku is a good tight end. But Elijah Moore gives you guys another shorthanded guy on third down. They just have to figure out ways to move him around and keep guys' hands off him because he did he did struggle pretty much uh, pretty well with the Jets when uh, he was bumped over at the line. Hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah, um, it, it's going to be very interesting to see what the Browns do with, with, I mean, what what seems to be a lot of depth in the in the receiver room. But you know, I I don't know what uh, what you think, Jeff, as far as how much playing time some of these younger guys are going to get. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, I think more is going to be out there a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, in, in different roles probably, but. Um, yeah, beyond beyond the first three, um, I, I don't I don't expect there to be a, a whole lot of snaps for for the rest of our our receiver room this year, um, barring injury. So um, they're, they're going to have to figure out how to work Elijah Moore in pretty quick. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree. So um, let's. Uh... I do have to say one thing. I like the Marquise Goodwin pickup you guys had. I thought that. You know, he's not the same guy he was at one point in his peak, yeah. but he's certainly a guy that could still do some exciting things. And he'll, you know, he'll be able to take when Elijah Moore does need a pop up. Marquis Goodwin coming in is going to be someone that's not going to give you too much drop off in that, you know, with that speed and stuff like that. So I think that's a good addition uh, for depth and a guy that your guy, you guys are going to end up relying on a good amount for making some plays, too. Yeah, we we've talked a little bit about him. I mean, obviously the Browns didn't sign him to, you know, for to expecting 80 receptions and a thousand yards. You know, right? Um, you know, he's he's going to be the fourth or fifth guy. Help you know, however it works out. Um, but uh, I mean, the experience and the speed. Yep. Um, I mean, yeah, it's it should be a very good fit. Um. Whether he's on the field at the same time as Elijah Moore very often, um, who knows? Uh, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> probably not. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, um, I, I could see. I could definitely see it playing out the way that, that Alex is suggesting that um, that that he's kind of uh, you know there to back him up. Really. Yeah. So, um, Aaron Rodgers, uh, love him or hate him, um, man, everybody's got an opinion on Aaron Rodgers. Um, yeah, I'm I'm a fan of him as a football player. Um, Alex, l- let's get your impressions first of all uh, before you even look at the trade. Are you excited that he's going to be the quarterback for the Jets next season? Uh, without a doubt. Uh, last year was one of Aaron Rodgers' like worst seasons statistically, and it would have been a top three season in Jets history. So <laughs> I, I'm yeah. uh, fully on board with that. Uh, I think you look at last season. What did he really had? He had Watkins coming on strong in the end, right, and kind of midseason. Yeah. But with the Jets, he brings. You know, he has Lazard, who's a guy that you know he's very safe. He knows you have Garrett Wilson, who somehow got 83 catches and over a thousand yards with. Who the hell was throwing to him without a quarterback, without a quarterback? Like I like Mike White. I thought Mike White was good. He got hurt a lot, though. So and then you also you have still have Corey Davis there, who I think everyone's forgetting and is going to be elevated a ton by the accurate balls that, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to have him throw. So I'm I'm very excited. I need him to be protected. And that's, you know, the issue we saw with Mike White last year. The guy got. Um, folded in half how many times because the blitz is just quick and he stood in there and Aaron Rodgers is going to stand in there too. That's the type of guy he is. But if we can't keep Aaron Rodgers upright most of the time, it's not going to matter how excited we are. So that that's kind of my biggest concern is keeping Aaron Rodgers upright. But I am pumped um, that he's there. I think you know that Joe Douglas did a good job. Um, the whole thing was not wanting to trade that 13 and he ended up only moving back two spots. So I thought I was I was I'm really happy. I'm for once in my life I'm actually happy to be a Jets fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean you you look at this trade and and um I mean, you know, they traded 13 for 15 yep. and I know there's some value there but you know, it, it depends how you pick too. <laughs> so um it, it's only two spots. Um so so you know, the Jets give up that 42nd pick. Um but they actually moved up from 207 to 170. Yep. So, yeah, so so they essentially they gave up 42, but they moved up what is that? Um about a round with a lower pick. And then they get a conditional uh second rounder which could turn into a first rounder next year. 
So, so they're they're giving up a second and and probably a first for Aaron Rodgers, which is great because if if that people are talking, well, if that second rounder turns into a conditional first rounder, that means that he played over sixty percent of the snaps, and that means the Jets should be a ten eleven win football team, like so, uh, and in the playoffs. So that's like there is you're getting away that type of value for the him them him elevating the team arguably to win the, you know win the division and be a contender. So I thought it was good value. Um, I thought that the the Packers kind of dragged ass a little bit there, and I wasn't a huge fan of them their gamesmanship, but I'm on this side of it, so of course I'm not going to be too happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that um, wide receiver room is pretty deep now, too. Um, yeah. now, now, Jeff, you, you were a fan of uh, Denzel Mims, right? Or were you not? Um, is it no, no, is Denzel Mims from the draft or am I wrong? I think you're thinking of uh Romeo Dobbs. No, Denzel no, Mims was drafted by the Jets two years ago now. Two years okay. ago, okay. Oh, I'm mixing, okay. I'm mixing up a couple guys. All right, oh, okay, all right. This is so what happened the Packers, <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, Corey Davis and um, Randall Cobb, um. Along with uh, McCole Hardman, mm-hmm. so um, you guys have some some talent there. Some I, I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, it's a it's as far as a group to throw to, it, it's it's pretty strong. You know, I'm just trying to think of. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers has had some good wide receiving cores before, but he's also, you know, I don't know how good Alan Lazard is if if. Aaron Rodgers isn't the guy throwing him the ball. I mean, that's true. I think you could say that for a lot of wide receivers that have kind of shot up and then gone down. Like, the, you know, I like to always talk about, I mean, as much as I dislike Tom Brady, I respect him. In his first few Super Bowls, how many of us remember his receiving core or the tight end he was throwing to or the starting running back? I do because it was burned in my brain and scarred because, you know, the Patriots mm-hmm. being a thorn in our side. But it was David Gibbons. It was Tim Brown, the other Tim Brown, not the one on the Raiders. It was um, it was Gibbons. It was Brown. And it was Dion Branch. And then Ben Coates at tight end. And Kevin Falk, who's a backup on 31 other teams. That's what Tom Brady won Super Bowls with. So it's like, I mean, the receiving core, it's, it's, you're as good as your quarterback makes you be if you're a great quarterback, right? The great quarterback will elevate guys and make yeah. them better. And Aaron Rodgers right now, um, you know, you didn't even mention the tight end room. And with Conklin, Uzoma, and Jeremy Rucker, and Zach mm-hmm. Kunst, the draft pick, who uh, athleticism is off the charts with Brees Hall coming back. Like, the Jets have uh, a ton of weapons. And for the first time in a long time, this isn't just a Jets fan overanalyzing his team. We have the offensive rookie of the year on this roster. And Brees Hall would have been the offensive rookie of the year if he didn't get hurt, if he would have kept on his track. So... Uh, it's 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 a weird time to have confidence as a Jets fan, and I hate this position. <laughs> You're talking like a Browns fan because we love we love the off season. Um, <laughs> our teams look really good on paper a lot, a lot of the time. Um, we we win a lot of divisions before the season starts. Um, <laughs> anyways, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, let's see. Why don't you guys ready to ready to take a look at this uh, schedule, Jeff? Out of doubt, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go to the schedule, and then we'll we'll talk a little bit about the uh, about the division too. So, um, this uh, this was the first schedule I saw released, so hopefully it's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, the Browns. Uh, I heard people saying that, you know, that, that how tough this was, but um, all these games are at home early. Um, Browns start out hosting the Bengals, okay? And I know it's the Bengals. The Bengals are tough, but this game's in Cleveland. Um, the Browns have, have owned the Bengals for the most part, and the game's in Cleveland. Um, can, I, can I just throw out a score prediction right now? I mean, the Browns are going to win that game. Okay. Anyways, (laughs) hopefully, even even though how many home open, how many uh, 
how many home openers we're, in a row we're that they lost? Something like, like one in nineteen in our last twenty home openers. <laughs> <laughs> that's but, but we're, that strength but breaks. We're five and one. We're five and yeah. one against the Bengals in the last three years. Right. So one string is going to break. Um, Something's got to give. One. So, yep. so yeah. So they they start by hosting the Bengals, and then they're at the Steelers on Monday night. Um, well, we'll see how many Steelers rookies are playing because that's that's the strong part of the team. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, they still have some good players. They lost some guys though too. So and then uh, and then the Browns host the Titans and then the Ravens. So so th- that's the first four games. Um, mm-hmm. So how tough do you guys see those four games? I mean. Three of them are at home. The other games, you know, at Pittsburgh, which on a Monday night, which as confident as I am, you know, unjustly in the Browns' ability to beat the Bengals at home, I'm I'm pretty sure that that the Steelers could could put uniforms on, you know, 22 people out of the stands and probably beat the Browns in Pittsburgh. <laughs> um, most of the time, that's how it feels. Right. So, that's because just, that's because they, every every official that dresses for that game is probably pulled from the stands. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I, I will not, say I'm not a fan of officials during uh, Steelers games either. I'm gonna no, oh, no man, yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. I I will say this. I am I am very happy to see that that, um, that the Browns are not playing the last game of the season at at Pittsburgh. I don't know if yeah. they did last year or not, but it seems like almost every season, the last game of the season is at Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, they yeah. mixed that up, it looks, a little this year, because the Jets were playing at the Bills a lot of the times, or even, you know, the Bills were playing them somehow. And this year, I think the Jets' final game is against New England. So I think they did a little shake-up with, like, the final rival team in division overall. But, uh, you know, I'm looking at those first four games, and – it's always tough because you're playing within division. It doesn't matter home or away, right? The first three games are mm-hmm. in. But then you have the Titans there, and that's a confidence builder because the Titans are going to be awful. That's a college football team right there. <laughs> they are not going to be a good team. Um, so yeah. I think you have a real good chance of definitely two and two. We'll see where Baltimore is at. They're trying to revamp that wide receiver room. Um, I'm questioned. I have a lot of questions about Lamar. I know there was a lot of rumors with the Jets possibly having him as a backup plan. I wanted nothing to do with Lamar Jackson because from my experience, when mobile quarterbacks get hurt with their legs, they're never the same. Um, And he's not a great pocket passer. So I think there's a real chance for you guys to at at worst go two and two in your first four, which is a good start to any season. Yeah, I think um, I can't speak for most fans because most fans might not be happy with two and two, but I would be happy with two and two in that stretch. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I I still have questions about the Ravens and why, when you have Lamar Jackson as your quarterback, why you are so worried about building up your wide receiver room. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. Your passing game is not to to your receivers is not the strength of your team. Why are you spending all your draft picks and and your money and free agency on receivers? Or, if anything, the type of receivers, right? Because you want uh, a few of them to be big possession guys, like big, bulky guys that can body people out. Um, you know, I'm sorry yeah. to bring this name up because it's going to hurt both you guys, like a Heinz Ward type of uh, receiver, though, <laughs> um, that really is physical, can do that. But you also want, like, one or two small shifty guys because what Lamar has is a fantastic deep ball. So you want at least a guy that could take the doors off. But your other guys, you just want basically to be tight ends that run 5040s but can box everyone out. So when he misses high, they could go up and get it. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm with you. I thought that was kind of a head scratcher. But uh, we'll see if it pays off, right? Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, if, if he throws the ball well, you know, which um, we'll see. You know, yeah. if he turns into more of a passer, then then I guess it's a good move. We'll just have to see what happens. Like you said, see how Lamar looks and see if he stays healthy. Yep. So. And then I think we've we've demonstrated, Rod, that that we can defend against Lamar. Um, yeah, yeah, we've, we've been in close games with the Ravens the last several years. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't figured out a way to convert those into wins, unfortunately. But we've we've played really well against Lamar, and he's played pretty poorly against us. 
Um, yeah. So, so I think that that bodes well. Um, you know, if our defense continues to improve, um, what what concerns me about the the start to the season is um, three division games in our first four. We've always said that that our path to the playoffs is our division. Right. We need to play well in our division. We need to win our division, or at least have a you know a good enough record in our division that that you know it gets us a wild card. Um, and starting out with three of our first four games in our division leaves no margin for error with our you know all of our pieces parts coming together early in the season. You know, we we've talked a little bit about how it may take a few weeks. For all these things, all these guys to gel, right? For for Deshaun Watson to get his feet under him again, and you know, for for all these changes that have been made to to shape into something that's going to work. And with this schedule, we, we just don't have the luxury of that. We we have to play well right out of the gate. Um, so I would not be surprised. I would be disappointed, but I would not be surprised to come out of that four game stretch one and three. Um, and that's going to put an awful lot of pressure on the next game. That's spoken like a true Browns fan. <laughs> you got to say that. Well, so yeah, guy who's guy who's watched this team for for, for close to forty years. <laughs> I well, have, I have a quick question for you guys. Sure. Uh, you guys, you know, in the division, it's been a long time. You're kind of building defenses to beat Big Ben, right? That was for the longest time. Defenses need to be designed because the division kind of went through Big Ben for a long time. Right. Mm-hmm. right now, if you're thinking about the way you want to craft your defense, who is it to more stop, Joe Burrow or Lamar? Uh, lately, it's kind of been it's kind of been both, honestly. Yeah. Um, it, it's worked against Lamar, but I really think it's been built to stop Joe Burrow with the with the corners and everything. We played yeah. our best defensive game last year against Joe Burrow. Yeah, the game that we were at, Rod. That was that was yeah. our best defensive game of the season. Yeah, it, it was incredible. Um, and that's you know that's our secondary rising to the occasion and and you know being able to put some pressure on Joe Burrow and um, not let him throw at will. So I think and, we match up really well with the Bengals. I, I think we match up very well with the Ravens. The Steelers are this conundrum that you know we've we've never really been able to figure out whether they're good, bad, or indifferent. Um, I, I don't understand it because uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense because no. the Steelers are not as talented as the other two teams typically. No, no but we. Just, I mean, not the never, past not the past couple seasons. We've never been able to solve them. So um, yeah, I, I think you know if if we're gonna if we're gonna come out of that four game stretch, you know, 500 or above, um, you know, we have to play really, really sound football early. And, you know, that, that's going to be, that's going to be asking a lot, I think of, of this new group. So, but, but the good wow. news is, is, you know, we, we got to buy right after that, right. You can kind of sort things well, out. I, I guess and, that's good. I don't know if a buy in week five is good. <laughs> I, only if only if one of your guys is, you know, if, if a key player is nursing right. an injury. Well, I, I just think it's going to be a good for us to sort of reset and and look at what we learned in those first four games. Um, maybe make some adjustments and then hit the next part of the schedule hard because if we're if we're playing the 49ers and the 49ers are as good as I think they're going to be, um, that's going to be a tough game. But then after that, we get into a much softer part of the schedule where we can hopefully start to stack up some wins. Yeah, and what I was going to say, adding on to the fact that, you know, three out of the first four games are division games, uh, five out of the first ten games are division games. So mm-hmm. after, you know, after the first... Uh, well, eleven weeks with a bye, the Browns only have one division game left left after that, which is yeah. which is kind of crappy and kind of unusual because then you're 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 depending on other teams to do the work for you, right? You know, as far as um, movement within the division, right, right. Um, but we're playing so, the AFC South, which um, you know the, the Jaguars won that division with a nine and eight record, um, so. Yeah. We've got a chance, like I said, to, to stack some wins against some of those teams later in the schedule. Um, 
the only problem, like I said, is going to be if, if we if we lose too many division games and we can't get in as the division winner, um, the AFC is going to be really tough to to get a wild card out of. Um, yes, very very tough. Yeah. Um, let's hope the Browns start two and two because that 49ers game, even though it's in Cleveland and I would have to look up the stats because some of those, uh, West coast teams don't travel very well, but, um, the 49ers are the 49ers and I'm sure that game's not going to be easy no matter how well the Browns play. So, um, the 49ers were five and three on the road last year. Okay. Well, at least you got a puncher's chance. <laughs> is the game film on Purdy going to do him in? Brock Purdy yeah. was Mr. Irrelevant. And last year yeah. he came in, piss and vinegar. There wasn't much film on him. This is now a whole offseason of just film, film, film. And if you don't think that the Browns staff isn't already watching film on Purdy, because they're targeting that game probably as a statement game coming out to buy, right? So, oh, I mean, yeah. You got to I will see if the Niners, if Brock Purdy is everything they think he's going to be because they're taking a big gamble, making him their starter. Mm -hmm. I really think it's a huge gamble there. So I think that's it's going to be interesting to see if the league has figured out Brock Purdy by then. Yeah. Well, well, let's face it outside of the division games. I mean, and maybe even including the division games, that 49ers game is is the biggest game on the Brown schedule. Without a doubt, I'd beg to differ. Well, yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> and you know what? I forgot who I was talking to for it, a minute, Al. And here's the thing. I have an argument there because that game really may be determining your wild card position and the Jets' wild card position if they fall into some trouble or playoff position there. Week 17 could be really important for both teams. Yeah, it could be. And and we will get there. So let's, <laughs> let's go back to week 17. Um, so after the 49ers, um, guys, it, it's at the Colts, at the Seahawks, um, host the Cardinals, and, and then they go back to the to the division games where they're um, in Baltimore and then hosting the Steelers. So that that five game stretch. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how to. I guess you just take those first three games first, Colts, Seahawks, and Cardinals. And if the if the first five games kind of go go bad like like they could, you know, and the Browns are two and three, one and four, something like that, then you really do need to 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 pile up wins, like Jeff was saying. Yeah. And I'm thinking it's going to be, you know, where, what Eugene Smith do we have by week eight? Is it going to be the Eugene Smith of last year that played really well? Because then the Seahawks could be, you know, maybe not a good team, but certainly a scrappy team. And mm-hmm. the Cardinals, is Kyler Murray going to, you know, recover? If he doesn't recover, then, you know, he's done. More than likely, he's benched by the time you guys play him. And uh, yeah. we'll see what the Cardinals can be. Because I feel like Kyler Murray's on a short leash over there in Arizona. So, yeah, you guys could be in a situation where even if you start off 2-2 two and two and uh, maybe take a loss to San Francisco two and three. You can walk away from the next three games, five and three, and looking in a real good spot heading into those other divisional games. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, and Ravens, Steelers, um, you know, it, it'll be the second time. Browns will, uh, Browns, Browns should be ready for those two games. Um, you know, obviously it's going to depend on what happens in the first one. So, so who knows? But, um, after that, um, Browns host the Jags, then they go to the Broncos, uh, they go to the Rams, um, host the Bears, then they go to the Texans. Um, some of that is is the easier part of the schedule. Mm-hmm. I won't say all of it, but you know that's a nice run leading up to those last two games, which which if if we're all lucky, will be very meaningful for our team. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Uh, so, yeah, the Brown, Browns play the Jets on on a Thursday night. And, Jeff, you said that was uh, December 28th. So yep. just just past Christmas. Yeah. So they, um, they play the Texans on Christmas Eve. And then four days later, they we play the Jets here on Thursday night. 
And that's okay. going to be really crappy for you guys. If you guys are in a good spot fighting for the division, I mean, I don't care what team you're playing four days later. Yeah. That sucks, especially if you're fighting yes. that late in the season. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, my Jets, who I'm hoping are going to be in a good position by that time. Yeah, that really doesn't matter. That's going to be definitely advantage Jets um, that week, uh, you know, maybe not because I think everyone's probably going to play on the 24th. But still, it's tough on both teams. And yep. I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting because I'm hoping that it's meaningful for both of our teams. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, with it being week 17 like that, you just hope that you hope that both teams are are fairly healthy. Yeah. You know, and that, that they've got their key key guys still out there and that, that they can just, uh, you know, um, play a good game. You know, I mean, you want to see Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers playing in that game, and you know, and uh, and the other all the other key guys. Um, you know, and and it would be great if if there were playoff spots on the line at that point. So yeah, um, I'm yeah, going to be selfish and say I, yeah, I hope that a few of the Jets receivers um, drop some passes leading up to that game, and Aaron <laughs> Rodgers checks out early. <laughs> Thank, thanks for that. <laughs> Yeah. We have to be Browns fans, yeah. At some point, you, you know how you know how he is. I mean, boy, you know, your guys, your guys better <laughs> better not put him in a bad mood at any point in time. I will send them back in the darkness during the bye week and fix him again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, one thing that's interesting, and I think the Browns uh, will take this philosophy, and I think Jets fans are still here. Um, last year, the goal with Joe Douglas and the Jets was play meaningful games in December, and the Jets were there. Um, you know, through all the turmoil, through the nonsense, they did start five and two with Zach Wilson freaking somehow. And, yeah. you know, coming into December, they were playing games and they were in a position to potentially go on a run. And, you know, it en- ended up not going that way. But I feel like that's kind of like a good goal for both mm-hmm. these teams playing meaningful, meaningful games in December. That, that's pretty big. That means, right. like, you know, those next five weeks, you know that's your season and that's that means you did something good beginning like early on so i feel like that's a be a good uh good measuring stick and still a good spot for both teams here sure yeah yeah i agree definitely so jeff let me ask you we're not going to talk record but now that you've seen the schedule how, how do you feel about the schedule do you feel it as far as it being favorable or unfavorable do you like the way it's set up or do you think it's more you know more negative. Um, I, what are your yeah, thoughts? I don't. I don't think they did us any favors. Yeah, um, and I wouldn't expect the NFL to do us any favors, but um, they don't like us. Again, the the <laughs> having those three division games in the first four weeks puts an awful lot of pressure on this team to play well early, and I'm just not sure that you know while we have the pieces that they'll fit together that soon in the season. Uh, I was really hoping for a couple more, you know, Titans type games early on that, you know, we could get tuned up in and, and before we hit, you know, the yeah, harder stretch. The, the Bears or the Texans or right, you know, yeah. I mean, play, playing playing those guys in, in December, you know, that that um, while that's great, you know, our race could be over by then if if we lose too many division games. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It, it's it kind of seems like it's a, just a little bit more of the Deshaun Watson punishment coming <laughs> <Right>. in. Um, <laughs> right. yeah. This is what they're doing. I mean, you know, it, it's I think everybody sh- saw the way Deshaun Watson played in those in those six games last season, and he didn't look sharp. So, you know, I, I think no. a lot of us were far from it. Yeah, so a lot of us were thinking, you know, Deshaun might not look good even the first few games of this season, but, you know, he'll get it going. You know, it might to. be in the second, third, fourth game, but now it's like, man, he better have it going in the first game or, or, or right. weren't, you know, or, yeah, or uh, they're really going to be behind the eight ball. Can, right. can I inject some optimism for your, <laughs> for your <laughs> Well, you know, we are Browns fans. That's what's I hard know. to do. Look, so. I'm a Jets fan, so I could do it for somebody <laughs> else's team, not mine. Um, (laughs) I really think that last year, yeah, Deshaun Watson, you know, did the offseason program, right? But everyone knew he wasn't going to be the starting quarterback. And I think Jacoby Brissett did a fantastic job kind of, you know, keeping the ship steady. He was a very steady hand, but he's not Deshaun Watson. He's not at that talent level. I think this year, the fact that 
He's going to be getting the first team snaps all offseason. He is going to know he is starting. Like, there's going to be no, yeah, he's getting the first team, but he has to split them because we have to have this guy ready as well. None of that's going to be there. Um, I think that this all, I think you guys are going to be clicking early. I think Watson, I mean, you got, got to remember three years ago, he was the guy that was next. He was the face of the NFL. He uh-huh. was the next like big quarterback. Everyone loved the fact that he had a good head on his shoulders, uh, you know, good acumen for the game, strong arm, good leader. And I think he's going to bring all that to Cleveland. I think you guys are like, I understand being cautious, right? The last six, the, you know, those six games didn't look great, but I really think you guys have a lot of room for optimism. I think Watson is going to hit the ground running. Cause I think he also understands that you need to get started early in this division. This isn't, the AFC South anymore. This isn't something there where you can kind of just, you know, mess around. Like, I think he understands that that needs to be happening now. And you guys do have the weapons. I mean, as long as Nick Chubb is healthy, there's no reason he doesn't run for 1200 yards and give, you know, that type of weapon to Deshaun Watson just to turn around and hand it off to. So I think you guys are going to be pleasantly surprised. And I think Watson Definitely should be in for like comeback player of the year, which I think would be poetry if the NFL has to give him comeback player of the year this year. That would be, <laughs> that'd be yeah, yeah, that would be, that <laughs> oh would my be gosh, poetic. So that's 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 exciting, and 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 I hope you're right, Alex, because <laughs> our plan B is that we hope Dorian Thompson Robinson turns into Brock Purdy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you never know. And, you know, you guys still have Joshua Dobbs there, which I guess for a game or two is serviceable. But, yeah. 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 No Deshaun. But, again, that's like every NFL team, right? How many teams have the ability to lose their starter and then find out Mr. Irrelevant's actually a starter? Like, it's not. I want to just go back to to Josh Dobbs real quick um, because – we love Josh Dobbs here. Um, I mean, he's he's a, a great guy. Uh, he's a fan favorite. But fans need to just take a step back and think about him as our as our plan B because this is a guy that didn't start ahead of Mason Rudolph in Pittsburgh. So we better not be counting on him to play much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I- I think he's, you know, Josh is fine if if they need him for a game or two. I don't think anybody would expect him to to play, you know, um, to carry a team for, for no. half a season or anything. No. So, no. but no. and he's um, got to be a locker room guy there too to kind of help. Oh, yeah. oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. locker room guy. No yeah. Yeah. And if things go wrong, he can kind of pull on Deshaun's jersey and say, mm-hmm. "This is how you treat the Cleveland media and the fans." Like. You know, like give him a little bit of something. He's definitely that veteran presence there. Yep, for sure. <laughs> you, you know, and there and there's I think there's a feeling here that the Browns kept some things in the playbook in those six games last season. So th- they really didn't open things up for Deshaun last season. Um, so I think I think things are going to be a little bit different th- this season to just, you know, they'll do more things to. um I, I don't know. I think they'll pull some more things out, um, let him do a little bit more of his own thing and things like that. So I, it kind of felt like they were kind of holding some things back for this coming season. hope so. It's, it's like, you know, um, let's, let's just wait. Let's just let him play some games, get him under his belt this year, and then we'll come back next year. Yeah. So. And, and don't discount that Amari Cooper is a bona fide number one. I know people thought he lost a step, but I love Amari. No, he he was great. Yeah, and, and Cedric Tillman's going to be a good receiver for you guys. Yeah, I, it's it's I it's not play. a question of 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 weapons um, yeah. or you know scheme. I mean, Kevin Stefanski has proven that he can get the most out of any quarterback. Yep. I mean, yeah. Based on what he did with Jacoby Brissett last year. Uh, and what he did with Baker Mayfield before that, I mean, he he can maximize a quarterback's ability and, and put him in a position to to be yeah. successful. It's just, it's really all about where Deshaun Watson's headspace is, and you know, early in the season, can he get back his mojo? Yeah, and, and what I, are massage allowances? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and Alex, you you were talking about the the Jets quarterback numbers and Aaron Rodgers and that. Um, Amari Cooper, 
the season he put up last year with yardage, which was like 1,100 and some yards, that was like the the fifth best season all time for a Browns receiver. <laughs> so that shows you. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, you can't compare with Brown, many Browns uh, running backs because the Browns have had a string of great running backs, but yeah. anybody can come in and jump the leaderboard at, at wide receiver. <laughs> right. I mean, we're very similar teams in a lot of ways, right? The Jets and Browns, very similar in a lot of ways. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. So um, let me ask you guys this. The the fact that the Browns have those three division games, at, you know, in the first four four games, do you think that affects the way the Browns approach the, the preseason games and how much playing time the starters get? Um, I think, you know, you, you know what, I'll take, I'll start this one. I think that you're going to see very little of the starters, maybe week three against the Eagles because the Eagles are the, you know, very good team. But I think you're going to see nobody against the Chiefs, very little against the Commanders, you know, the Jets and the, I don't think anybody's going to play in the Hall of Fame game in August 3rd, basically. So I think you're going to see very little of the starters by default because, yeah, you're going to want them ready to go for those first three games, uh, the first three out of four there. So you're saying you're pretty typical of what you would normally see? Yeah, yeah, I think pretty typical. Maybe even a little less. Yeah. Jeff, do you agree, or do you think that the guys might get a little more playing time in order to be ready? I I understand the you know the risk of injury and and not wanting guys to play in preseason games and stuff. But man, what we from what we saw of Deshaun Watson last and um. Man, I, I think he's got to get some snaps in preseason. I think he's got to be in real games and and have to make game speed decisions um, in preseason to to be ready. Um, so I, I hope they play him some. I hope to God he doesn't get hurt, but I, I hope we see him in the preseason enough that you know he's ready to go that first game. Yeah, and I would. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I I would I would hope to see how much playing time, you know, maybe like what we used to see a few seasons ago, you know, not, yeah. not where he's playing a half or anything, but you know, maybe where he's playing most of a quarter or something. Right. You know, I mean, it yeah. depends how many drives, you know, more or less you yeah. have him in there for so many drives, but, right. but I agree. Yeah. I would like to see him in there for more than, um, <laughs> more than 10 snaps. I think the typical thing has been lately, though, like if they have like one really good drive and they're clicking, okay, they're done. Like they don't want to yeah. like they, they're understanding the offense and, you know, they're moving around, they're making good decisions. Then they're going to, yeah. you know, and I see what you're saying, Jeff, and I'm definitely more of a guy. I want them hitting more in the offseason. I think the lack of hitting causes a ton of non-contact injuries and they go from 60% to 100% from the last preseason to week one, uh, you know, but I just think the normal trend in the NFL has been to tread lightly and hope not, you know, get yeah. them out there, let them hit, and, you know, really get them ready. So, uh, yeah, no, you're right. That's, I yeah. agree with you and what, in theory, what they should do, but just the trends and what they have been doing. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. They probably won't, but yeah. I, I, you know, you asked me what I think they need to do. And, um, man, I, you know, like I said, if, 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 if the schedulers threw us, some softball games early on i you know i think about it differently um i agree so it it's going to come down to uh, obviously it's coach coach's decision and he's he's going to look at how they're performing in practice and stuff too but i yeah we'll see we'll see if he if he listens to the show or not <laughs> <laughs> they should damn it. they should this is a great show we know yeah. they do <laughs> <laughs> so uh so let's just take a couple of minutes and touch on the division. I, I guess, Alex, let's get some of your thoughts on, on the division and how you feel it shapes up. The uh, uh, That would be the AFC North. Uh, I have no idea. Honestly, your division is so bizarre right now. Because <laughs> it is. The Bengals should, in all intents and purposes, still be the team that runs the division, right? What did yeah. they lose? Nothing, really. But it's a bizarre thing where you just don't have full confidence. And maybe it's their history of being the Bungles that you (laughs) don't have full confidence that they're going to be able and capable of continuing to grasp it. So there's that. Um, The Ravens should then be number two in line, right? They have the former MVP 
Yeah, he's coming back off injury, but they got him a few receivers. You know, Ozzie, you know, they have a good front office. They should be doing great things. But again, question marks. What Lamar are we getting? Who the, are the receivers actually going to work out? And then you have the Steelers. If Kenny Pickett takes moves up, I like George Pickens there. They're still pretty good. And then, you know, for all intents and purposes, the division is up for you guys, the Browns, to kind of, you know, prove yourselves right with the Watson trade. If Watson comes out and starts playing like the guy that played in his last season at Houston or the season before, whatever it was, and starts yeah. to play at that high level, there's no reason why it can't be you and the Bengals just going to war towards the end of the season for the division. That, that's kind of how I see it shaking out. But, man, it, I, it's tough to predict. The AFC South is a very difficult division to kind of put your finger on. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, uh, everybody in our division was three and three last year, Rod. Um, <laughs> three and three. I'm not surprised. Yeah. yeah. It, <laughs> it, it, division, division games. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's sort of an enigma wrapped in a conundrum that, you know, none of us can seem to dominate each other. You know, that the, the, we always, it's, it's, it's what you do outside the division. Right. But I really think that, that, this this year is going to be based on who can figure out how to how to win the division games and and have post the best record in the division. That's interesting, but I would assume that um, with since the Browns have so many early division games that the other teams do too, uh, for the most part, you know, um, yeah. and it's real really hard to you know, to figure out how to handle the other teams when you're still kind of figuring out your own identity in a season. So, right, right. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it, to me, putting those, uh, all those division games so early, it's, you know, I would, if I had to guess, I would guess that, that this this uh, season that we're going to be closer to everybody going three and three than we are to any team going six and oh. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, four and two goes a long way in your division. <laughs> yeah, yeah you're right you're yeah, right it so. really does <laughs> yeah. um and and that again that's where the play of deshaun watson is going to be going to be huge if he's if he's playing pretty well at the beginning of the season enough to to carry the offense you know or to or to, to make the offense move you know and not slow it down then then the browns have a have a good shot, you know. If if thing went two out of those first three division games, then you know, then then that'll, I mean that that'll set them up pretty good right there. We were scoring thirty points pretty consistently early in the season last year, Rod, with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. Um, yeah. If our defense improves just a little bit, and it should, and it should, right? If it improves just a little bit. Um, we should be in games this year. Um, it, like you said, it, it really boils down to can Deshaun Watson execute an offense better than he did in those last six games? Because in those last six games, our offense looked putrid. Yeah. So if we yeah. can get anywhere close to where we were offensively under Jacoby Brissett, make those pieces fit, and our defense gets just a little bit better, Okay, now we're in the thick of things. And there's no reason for this offense to not be better. You know, or, be, or right. to be at least as good. Right. The only reason it wouldn't be is if Deshaun Watson doesn't get back to being who he was three seasons ago. Or even close to it. I mean, he right. threw for Some almost 5,000 yards three seasons ago. We don't right. even need that. No. <laughs> we just need 30 points. Somehow, yeah. some way. Just, just thirty. That's it. <laughs> well, because we know twenty-eight loses. <laughs> twenty-eight loses quite often. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, the division's gonna be tough, but in the AFC, you have to play for the division because there are a lot of good teams. Yes, there only are. Uh, you can't play for a wild card. Right. Uh, wild card is going to be because if somebody gets a wild card, it's going to be because they were playing for the division and they and they just missed out. Um, right. You know, and have an outstanding record. You're not. They lost an not, early division game. Yeah. It'll be <laughs> an eleven and six, ten and seven for the wild card at least. Oh, easily. Yeah. I yeah, would. Yeah, I would sure. agree. I would yeah. agree. 
Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I think we're going to wrap things up here, guys. Uh, Alex, we appreciate you joining us tonight. And um, why don't you uh, why don't you give your podcast another plug here? And then if you have any words of wisdom or any additional words of wisdom for Browns fans, we, we would love to hear them. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, guys, this was a blast. I love, you know, always coming on and talking football. I uh, appreciate you guys inviting me on. It's been a long time coming, and I'm really pumped you kept me in mind and brought me on. Um, the podcast is the Alex Cuesta Show. Find it uh, on all streaming services, uh, your Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that. Um, go search for it on social media. Just search the Alex Cuesta Show. You'll see it. Um, and, uh, yeah, parting words of wisdom. I'm, I'm predicting right now Deshaun Watson comeback, comeback player of the year. Um, mostly because I just want to see the NFL squirm. Uh, you know, I want, <laughs> I want it to be Brees Hall, but if it's not Brees Hall, I want it to be, it has to be Deshaun Watson, um, just for the fun of it. But no, in all honesty, I think that the Browns, um, Browns fans, as much as I understand your agony and not wanting to predict happy things because I'm a Jets fan, I'm right there with you. I think this team is set up to be good. I think it, I think they can surprise people. I think, you know, you have good pieces everywhere. We didn't even talk. Uh, I mean, about the line, um, you have one of the best guards in football. I know he's getting a little older, but Batonio is fantastic, and he's a leader on every single team that he would ever play on. So um, I think the Browns, you know, be be a little more optimistic than normal. I think you guys are going to be pretty damn good. Appreciate that. Uh, Jeff, any closing words? Yeah, I'm just not looking forward to September on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll see how those first games go. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a long season. You have to keep that uh, have to keep that in mind. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Well, this has been the Browns Blitz. We thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>